Amen. Well, if you were with us two weeks ago, we started a new series uh, called Renew Year. Uh, as a pastor, I love having the new fun of getting to come up with puns in sermon titles and series. And so it is going to be Renew Year as a, you know, we're thinking about the new year and as we think about this year. But really the purpose and task of this series was for us to take a step back and really ask the question, what is renewal? What is the biblical meaning of restoration and to be renewed? And as we took a step back, we, we explored through the Old Testament these ideas that the Israelites in the Old Testament went through many renewals. As they had fallen away from their faith, they failed in upholding the law as they turned to idols. But God in His abundant mercy led them into exile and saw that their places of worship would be turned to rubble so that they may eventually return to Him as a renewed people. We saw how renewal actually comes first when we've actually recognized our need for it when we recognize that we are weak and that we actually have to make ourselves vulnerable to God. And that it's in our weakness and our vulnerability to Him that God actually restores us and renews us once again to be His people and to be renewed to the days of old. And as we explored that, as we explored that idea of renewal in the Old Testament, as we explored that, we, we started to see how God is actually constantly renewing us. And so as we step forward in this series, we also want to take a look at what it means to have a renewed spirit. We'll also look at what it means to have a renewed mind and to have a renewed strength. But before we get into today's scripture, I, I need to confess that it is a frequent occurrence for me to go through spiritual highs and spiritual lows. And I'm not sure if you relate to that, if you've ever been on that roller coaster that seems to be a life of spirituality, wondering whether or not, am I going to be in a high this season or I'm going to be in a low? I actually remember the very first kind of spiritual invigoration that I ever had. And maybe you can relate to this. It's actually a quite common one for many of us. It's, it's the first time that we actually came to the Lord. The very first kind of spiritual invigoration, that spiritual high point in my life was when Jesus actually became a part of my life. When I actually took a moment to realize who he was, acknowledge him, put my faith in him, and put him in the right place in my heart to have trust and faith and belief in who he was and what he did. It was a realization in a moment in my life that everything was not okay. That I was not okay. Ironically enough, I wouldn't have considered myself a bad kid. I was a fantastic student. I got really good grades. I never got into trouble, at least not with authorities, except maybe my parents when I was disobedient, which then they would say, then you weren't a good kid. But I'd like to argue differently. But there was that moment, that moment in my life where 
my heart became confronted that even though I had thought that I'd lived a great life, that I was a good person, that I was a good student, that I was a good son, that I was a good brother to my sister, I realized that I was confronted in my heart that I actually wasn't okay, that I was actually living a life of rebellion, that my spirit within me had not been renewed to live a life for Jesus. But all of that changed when I decided to put my faith and belief in Him. And if I'm honest, I wasn't even sure what I was doing. I didn't even think that I had realized that I hadn't made that decision before in my life. I actually probably thought that I had already been saved. But it wasn't until someone actually asked me the question, have you accepted Jesus? That actually stirred something within me to realize, I don't know that I ever really have. And it was at that point that I said, yes, this is a life worth pursuing. This is a life I want to go after. This is a person that I want to be in relationship with. I went from being very apathetic about church, about a spiritual walk, about anything about that, to being all in. I wanted to be all in. I got plugged into every Bible study, every youth group, every trip that was available, every retreat that I could go on. I did. I had this spiritual hunger and within me, this high point in my walk with Christ that I was just like, this is what I'm going after. And I wanted everybody in my life to know as well. I wanted everybody to know this newfound Jesus that I had discovered. I was hoping that everybody would also come to know Him. <clears throat> but, like most people, that spiritual high point started to dip. Where I thought was an ascension that you would just stay on, I realized that quickly ascensions go down and up and down and up and down. And I started riding this spiritual roller coaster through college. But it really, really hit me. In my first year of full-time ministry after I had finished seminary and ended up working in a church... <clears throat> that I probably hit one of the biggest spiritual lows, one of the most shallow moments in my entire faith. You see, I had bought into this lie that to be a professional in ministry meant that I couldn't lose sight of who God was. I had bought into this lie that just because this was my job, because I was in the Word every day preparing sermons and preparing messages for students and working on teachings, that because I was in it every day, that I was always okay, that I was in the Word, that I was doing all the spiritually right things, that because I had been doing what I was called to do, that I was right with God. That I was in a good relationship with Jesus. But the reality is 
that the fruit of my life was completely devoid of the work of the Holy Spirit. Everything that had happened was squeezed out by my own efforts. And it only took one year in that position of full-time ministry for it all to catch up to me. You see, I was a student director at a time at a church. I'm not going to name it because I did that once and people knew what it was and that was weird. Um, But I was at a church and I was in full-time ministry and I was the student director and I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to pour into the life of young people that I wanted to give them the opportunity to know Christ the way that I had come to know Christ. Full of faith and full of joy, full of that expectation of who he was and what he was doing in me and through me. But along the way, as I let professional ministry replace my relationship with Christ, I started to become frustrated and cynical when I didn't see heart change in young humans. I started to get frustrated at the many things that I just wanted to happen and I just couldn't see the fruit of my time and effort. Notice I said my time and my effort. But it all came to a head about a year in and we were on a service trip and I had taken all these students that were at the church on this trip to a camp that we were supposed to go and serve. Like our our job was to go and like clean dishes and clean tables and and clean and, and set up things for the students as they came to camp. And this was a camp for underprivileged kids. And so there was just an opportunity to really reach kids with service. And even though that we weren't going to be the ones necessarily pouring into their lives, we were setting up the ministry to be successful so that the counselors could be successful in pouring into those kids' lives. But here's what ended up happening is they started becoming in, un, like just completely uncooperative. They started complaining about all the work that they had to do. They started getting frustrated that they couldn't go and play on the slide like all the camp kids. They started speaking negatively about the camp and eventually it all led to this one point where a student really just pushed my buttons the wrong way and I just verbally lashed out at him for being insubordinate. What are you doing? Why are you doing that way? Don't be like that. Don't act like that. I might have used some language that is not permissible in the pulpit. But gosh, that was a low point in my ministry. Here I was, I was supposed to be their pastor, their shepherd, the one leading and guiding their heart. They were kids. Of course they were spiritually immature and young and didn't know all the right things. And of course they didn't have the heart to serve with everything that they were and to do it excellently. And instead of taking that moment to teach them grace and mercy, I lashed out in frustration. But it was just a realization of something deeper that was going in my, in my, on in my heart. It wasn't necessarily a frustration with him. It was a frustration that was within me that things had gotten so bad in my relationship with Jesus that I took it out on one of my students. 
Sadly, that incident ended up leading to me resigning from that position. Not because they didn't want me around anymore. I had done the heart work. I had made the confessions. I, have done, I had done the apologies. But I realized that that wasn't the place for me to be if I was going to reestablish this relationship with Christ that I deeply and desperately needed. Not to mention just some incidents that took place after that just kind of led me to the realization that this isn't where the heart work was going to be done. But God still used it as a moment to reveal to me that something deeper was affecting my heart. And the truth was, in a lot of ways, I had settled in unbelief. I had lost a little bit of faith. I had fallen away from everything I once knew. I failed to be in love with Jesus first. I was desperate and in need of a renewed spirit and a new heart to be created within me. Now, I can't imagine that anyone has ever lashed out at a child before, been frustrated with their antics or their actions. But maybe there's something in in that testimony that I shared that you actually resonate with. That you recognize that you aren't always who you should be. That you're not living out the call that Christ has put upon your life. That you haven't always carried yourself as Christ would have you be carried. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sure nobody has ever lashed out at one of their children before, but as a, a parent, I can imagine that there have been many times that frustrated you. And I'm sure that when you look back, there are moments in your life where you weren't happy with the way that you reacted. Or maybe at work, you were in a managerial position and you just had some incompetent employees and you just unloaded on them. Honestly, I don't know what it is that you feel maybe in your life that you've had these moments where you can see those low points. But let me put it this way. Maybe it's not parenting. Maybe it's not work. But I'm sure for everyone there is a moment that they would be less than happy if we put it on a screen and played it in front of everybody in here. I honestly can't tell you how many of those things I would not want on that screen. There would probably be too many to count. There were probably some even yesterday that I just don't want anyone to see. The truth is that all of us have fallen short somewhere, somehow, at some time with another person out of frustration probably because we were in a spiritual low. We were in a season in our life where we weren't in right relationship with Christ and we were desperately in need of a renewed spirit and for a clean heart to be created within us. But the good news is we aren't alone in our failures. In fact, Scripture gives us quite a lot of evidence 
that all of our Bible heroes have experienced their own need of renewal. Our passage today actually comes from Psalm 51, verse 10. And the author of this passage is pretty well known. The author of this psalm is King David. And David writes in Psalm 51.10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is King David. The same man that God declared is a man after his own heart. And yet we find David crying out to the Lord, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God wasn't unaware of who David was when he said that he was a man after his own heart. God is all-powerful and he's all-knowing. He knew every bit of David, past, present, and future, and yet he did not shy away from those words. David was a man that pursued the Lord that had relationship with the Lord, that knew Him intimately in ways that I know I probably never will. Though I hope, beyond hope, that one day I could even just have a foretaste of the kind of relationship that David had with God. But David, the author of Psalm 51 is a psalm that maybe some of you are familiar with, but maybe you're not. You see, Psalm 51 is a moment of deep and utter confession by King David. A a psalm of repentance to God for his actions that he took against Bathsheba and Uriah. And if you're unfamiliar with this story, which I don't know that you would be unfamiliar with it, But it started with David stepping out from his abode and looking out and seeing across the way a woman bathing on a balcony. And he decided at that moment that he wanted her for himself. He brought her into his home, slept with her, got her pregnant, and to cover it all up, he had her husband murdered by sending him to the front lines. King David, a man after God's own heart, but an adulterer and a murderer. I have to be honest, I ask myself the question, this is a man after God's own heart? How is this possible? How is it that somebody can sin so badly? And still be a man after God's own heart. But it's really Psalm 51 that's evidence of this man that is so desirous of his relationship with God that he will not let his sin, past, present, or future, get in the way of that. It's because David never denied that he wasn't capable of such actions. He knew in his heart of hearts that he was born into iniquity. That he was fully capable of every human wrong that was imaginable. And when he failed to live up 
to such a standard. He wasn't afraid to go before God and confess to Him and repent to Him of His wrongdoings. It's actually interesting though because after this moment, David did try to cover up his sin, right? He sent Uriah to the front lines to be killed so that nobody would be the wiser of his actions. And yet, the prophet Nathan came to him in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and tells this story of a man and how this man had sinned and wronged and Nathan asked David, well, what should we do about this? And David's like, we should kill him. And Nathan says, you are that man. Even though David lived a life in relationship to God, even though he knew that he himself was fully capable of every action, he still lived blind to his own sin. One of my favorite authors, Paul David Tripp, actually speaks of this phenomenon. He's spirit, he just calls it spiritual blindness. We as people, as humans living, we constantly are blind to the own sin, our own sin in our lives. We are constantly not able to see the things that, that we have done, that we have wronged God with, that we have come against others with because we're blind to it. We're so proud of who we are and so spiritually malnourished that at times we're very, very blind to our own sin problems. And David was not immune to such a disease. But here's where we get into the scripture today. And this is where I really want us to settle and land and understand what it looks like to have renewed spirit. You see, David, after having his sin revealed to him, penned Psalm 51. But the truth and reality is he could have responded in one of two ways. The first could have been to defend himself, to defend his actions and his behavior. I can actually hear the excuses. Well, Bathsheba shouldn't have been on the roof. She knew what she was doing. Uriah should have been a better husband. I was only trying to do the right thing. I'm the king. I can do what I want. I don't know if it's ironic or sad, but even as I read those, I know those have been my own excuses at times to defend and discount the very sin in my life. And I would be pretty sure that I use one of those exact same excuses when I lashed out against that student. But the thing with sin, when we become so prideful and so blind to it, and when it's exposed, our first instinct is to defend ourselves. It is for self-preservation. But the other option, the option that leads to spiritual renewal, that is evidence of a renewed spirit is when we turn toward confession and repentance. David went with great humility before God 
And said, God is against you and you alone who I have sinned. It requires courage. It requires God moving toward us and acting in His own interest. And so when David prayed, create in me a clean heart, he acknowledges that there is nothing, nothing that he can do in order to make his own heart clean. There would be no amount of excuses, no amount of good works, nothing that could clean the heart of such a sinful man. I know oftentimes we all act as if there is something we can do to clean our own hearts. We act and we defend ourselves to free ourselves from our sin. We convince God and others that it wasn't sin or we try to do enough good works to make up for our sin. Maybe if I just read my Bible enough more times, get back into to prayer some, like I'll just, I'll work my way back to a good relationship with God. The truth of the matter is that neither of those will be successful. You cannot work your way back to goodness. You cannot work your way back into relationship with the Father. There is no work that needs to be done. It was simple enough for David to say, God, create within me a clean heart. He constantly acknowledged his need to be connected to God. He constantly recognized his need to be forgiven for his sins. He recognized his constant need for a clean heart and a renewed spirit. And so David asks the Lord to wipe away his transgressions. The the psalmist even says that they are as far as the east is from the west. That is how far your sin is from you. And so that black stain of sin is no more. But is a clean heart enough? Is it just enough to ask for forgiveness? And this is where I said I did a lot of heart work. After realizing the wrong that I had committed in that previous ministry position, it wasn't just enough to ask for forgiveness. No, something more needed to be done. I wasn't just going to get out of my spiritual low because I confessed that I had done wrong. No. There's something more. David prayed and renew a right spirit within me. You see, it's not simply enough that we are forgiven. For we are forgiven. We are forgiven to be in relationship with God. But the real question is, are we going to enter back into that real relationship with God? You see, right spirit is about being in relationship with the Father who wants to be in relationship with you. And the Son who desires to know you and call you friend. It's about allowing ourselves to be shaped and molded by God's Holy Spirit who's constantly exerting Himself upon our own spirit that we might become more like Jesus. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus actually speaks about being dispossessed from an unclean spirit. But I think the metaphor still stands that 
He says, when an unclean spirit leaves a person, if he finds that person still empty, he will return with seven others and fill its place. You see, when we ask God for forgiveness and we get ourselves back in right relationship with him and he's already had it there for us, we just need to come to him and say, I want to be in relationship with you. God, forgive me for the things that I've done. But then, that's the extent of us coming to God? We don't actually take the time and say like, Okay, well now I want to be in relationship with you. You've made it right. You've made me clean. I know I can come before you, but, but this is all you're going to get from me. And so then you walk away from that moment of repentance and forgiveness and you don't do anything afterward. You don't, you don't want to be with Jesus. You don't want to pray more. You don't want to be in the Bible and Scripture and letting it speak to your heart, allowing the Holy Spirit to move you and transform you closer to Him move you away from those sin habits that we all have in our lives? You see, ultimately what renewed spirit is about, it's about us coming into a place where we don't have to live in spiritual lows. In fact, God made a way for us to live in spiritual highs. He made a way through Jesus that we don't have to constantly fight this continual battle of the roller coaster going up and down and up and down. Because Jesus' death on the cross was good enough that we don't have to ride the roller coaster of spirituality. It was good enough that in every moment of our life we can confess our sin and be right back in right relationship with Him. My problem was that I failed so much in that first year of ministry to realize and recognize due to spiritual blindness how desperately I needed to confess that I was wrong in the way that I was doing and performing ministry and how I made it more about me and less about him. And then it all came tumbling down. But the reality is that if I had recognized that, there was never a need to go through a spiritual low. Because when you're in right relationship with God, when you're living your life in relationship to Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that connection doesn't allow you to have a spiritual low. Yes, there might be times where we don't hear God's voice as clearly Maybe he's not really answering our prayers the way he wants, uh, the way we want him to. But it doesn't mean that he's not listening. And it doesn't mean that we don't understand that even when he says no, it is for our good. You see, part of being and living in this spiritual renewal, in this renewed spirit, is a state of being in a constant relationship with Jesus to the point that no matter the circumstance, you can stay connected to Him. I actually believe that's what Paul meant when he wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we should pray without ceasing. It's acknowledging that constant need of connection to our Lord and Jesus. And so I say all this, I've shared with you my own story, my own testimony of how 
I hit just the lowest of lows my first year of ministry. And I'm not saying that I haven't hit lows since. I certainly have. But I've bounced back much quicker than I did in that first year because I came to a realization in that first year that if I'm not doing what I need to do in terms of just maintaining a relationship with God, then I'm going to constantly be hitting these low points where I'm never filled, where I never have relationship with Him, when I never know Him the way that I am supposed to, the way that He's actually called us to. So if you find yourself in that similar position, as I'm sure COVID has done quite a work on all of us during this time, you can go to Him. You can confess to Him. He can create within you a clean heart and renew within you a right spirit. And when we're in that place, together, we stand in better unity, in better harmony in each other's lives. We don't lash out at students when they're insubordinate or disobedient or just frustrate us for no reason. But we can actually do more toward building the kingdom of God. So I want to leave you with these words by Paul David Tripp. He says, Confession is not intuitive for sinners. Humility is not our natural first response. Love of God more than love of self is not first instinct. The glory of God isn't naturally the core motivator of what we do and say. So if you are willing to say, God, show me my heart, and willing to speak these words, please forgive me, you know that you have been showered with amazing grace. Grace that has already changed your heart. And grace that promises more change to come. And it is that more change to come that we all desire. As we renew the Spirit within us, as we look forward to this year, saying, I'm not going to let another spiritual low come about. We become less concerned about ourselves and we become more concerned about the things in the very heart of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, create within us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, we need to be in relationship with you. God, it's so easy to neglect knowing who you are. It's so easy to neglect being in relationship with you because we're so involved with all the things of the church. Because we're so involved with Bible studies and teachings and worship. God, it's so easy to neglect relationship with You because we attend church on Sunday. And it's easy to think that that's the extent of our relationship with who You are. But God, as we 
confess with our mouths that we have not pursued a relationship with You the way that You have desired to be sought, God, create within us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us to pursue You, to know You, to love You, to be in relationship with You, to hear Your voice, to see You speak through Your Scriptures. God, renew us. Renew us that we might be a powerful force for Your kingdom in our community. God, because we aren't dealing with our own problems all the time, but because we're quick to confess and ready to be in relationship with You again. Lord, we love You. We thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen.